Of the issues considered during the recent legislative session in Texas, few have been more controversial or compelling than efforts to strengthen election integrity. But even with Democrats fleeing the state to try to thwart Republican efforts and a bit of legislative overtime, major reforms were made this year. I'm Brandon Waltons, and on this installment of the Texas Scorecard Autopsy Files, we take a look at election integrity. You're listening to The Autopsy Files by Texas Scorecard, a production of 1836 Studios. Though the issue may seem simple, election integrity can be complicated with lots of components to follow. To explain the process, I turn to one of Texas Scorecard's senior journalists to break it all down. I'm Erin Anderson, a senior journalist with Texas Scorecard, following uh, more specifically uh, election integrity issues. After the presidential election in November of 2020, election integrity was an issue on the forefront of many conservatives' minds. But calls for strengthening the integrity of the ballot started long before then. Election integrity was a hot issue in this legislative session. Uh, But really, before even the November 2020 election, uh, the Texas GOP uh, delegates at the convention in the summer had already set this as their top number one legislative priority for the session. And really, this is the second uh, time that they've done that. It was a top priority in uh, the previous legislative session as well. So not a brand new topic coming into 2021, but certainly a top issue uh, and did have, of course, heightened uh, interest after the 2020 election. Soon after the legislative session began, Governor Greg Abbott named election integrity as one of his top emergency items for lawmakers to begin tackling right away. In fact, it was the only Republican Party of Texas priority that made his emergency item list. For advocates, this seemed like a good sign. Um, as, as the session kicked off in 2021, uh, prospects were pretty good. Uh, the Republicans felt pretty uh, pretty good about uh, the uh, legislation that was proposed. Uh, some strong bills in both the House and Senate uh, came forward uh, with a lot of the items that election integrity advocates wanted to see addressed. Uh, one of the one of the uh, concerns, however, was that the House and Senate bills, uh, very comprehensive bills, but were fairly different from each other. So everyone knew going in that those two uh, bills were going to need to be reconciled. With different bills came different components of election integrity that lawmakers sought to address. So some of the things included in uh, the big election integrity bills, we call them omnibus bills because they contain a a number of different provisions addressing the issue, uh, really covered a wide range of issues. Uh, Voting uh, by mail continues to be a hot issue uh, because everyone concedes on all sides of the uh, spectrum that that's where uh, a lot of the problems occur is in mail ballots. So addressing the mail ballot issue, uh, making that process more secure, uh, banning paid vote harvesting, ballot harvesting, which has been a problem. We've had a number of convictions uh, for that, uh, requiring a, a voter ID number on mail ballots. This was a, uh, an expansion of the same requirement that's, uh, re- that's uh, for in-person voting. 
um, poll watcher protections uh, were a hot topic as well. This, too, something there have been a number of lawsuits about uh, poll watchers uh, being uh, blocked from observing the election officials' activities inside the polls or at counting stations. Uh, so things that addressed common issues that had happened uh, over over a number of elections um, as well as uh, cleaning up these uh, voter rolls um, and uh, kind of protecting voters who need assistance at the polls from being ambushed by uh, by people uh, trying to, quote, help them who, um, you know, they had not asked to be helped and were known to be influencing these people's votes and, in fact, stealing their votes. Though Democrats immediately began strongly opposing the efforts, the bill moved quickly in the Texas Senate. Well, the, the Democrats, let's just say, the Democrats who are in the minority in both the House and Senate, uh, were uh, strongly opposed to this bill from the get-go. And this was part of a sort of a national uh, movement against any sort of election integrity reform. So um, while the Democrats were, were loudly uh, squawking, on the Senate side, um, State Senator Brian Hughes, who uh, – authored the bill, uh, did a really good job of uh, moving that uh, pretty swiftly through uh, the, the, the legislative process, through the committee, uh, th- uh, through the Senate floor, passed on a party line vote. Things did not go as smoothly, however, when the bill reached the House of Representatives. So on the House side, of course, the House had their own version of the bill. And the House is always a more raucous body, and there was a lot more contention, uh, a lot more contention from the from the Democrats within the uh, legislature and uh, people coming into the the public hearing, uh, stirring up uh, contention against various provisions of the bill. Then the way it was uh, kind of swapped out, there was a lot of maneuvering that happened that made it much more difficult to to get the bill through because the House didn't hear the Senate bill. They heard a completely different bill, but they called it the Senate bill. So it's a lot of confusion and a lot of contention as well on the House side. While the House ultimately passed the Senate's bill, the text had been completely changed. So in the end, what the House passed was their own version of the bill, but with the Senate label. Uh, which is confusing. So it goes to what's called a conference committee, where members of the House and Senate get together and hash out the differences and try to come up with a compromised version of the bill. Well, that took quite a long time. Uh, and it happens behind closed doors. So we don't really know what went on. But right at the very last minute possible of the session, uh, the, the bill came out of conference. The Senate, again, passed it on party line votes, and it went to the House um, the day before, uh, it, it, you know, the last possible minute it could pass. The last possible minute indeed. With just hours left before the deadline to finally pass bills in the Texas House, Democrats threatened to leave the building to break the necessary two-thirds quorum and kill the bill. Speaker Dade Phelan met with Democrats and told them he wouldn't stop them. So, unsurprisingly, they left. And in those final hours, uh, the Democrats... Uh, decided that uh, their big strategy would be to simply walk out, uh, busting the quorum, as they say, leaving not enough members on the House floor to even take the final vote. And of course, that was that was that was uh, accommodated by uh, the Republican Speaker as well. So, last minute possible, uh, Democrats walk out, and there is actually no vote, final vote held on the election integrity bill. In Texas, the governor can call special sessions on any issues he chooses, up to 30 days at a time. 
Immediately, Governor Abbott said he would be calling for a special session later that summer to consider election integrity, in addition to some other issues killed during the regular session. Right. So in July, we have a, our special session come up, and uh, House and Senate quickly get their bills uh, filed. The Senate passes theirs yet again very quickly. The House uh, has a committee hearing, and before it can get a vote, uh, the uh, the Democrats leave again, this time for the entirety of the special session, uh, leaving all bills hanging, including these key election integrity bills. Democrats fled the legislature. Many of them went to Washington, D.C., where they met with politicians and tried to drum up publicity against the bill. They also wanted the federal government to pass legislation to nullify Texas's efforts. They wanted to stop the vote temporarily on these bills, but also uh, get a lot of publicity and fundraising uh, for their anti-election integrity stance to kind of hobnob in Congress, uh, speak uh, against these reforms and for these federal bills, which are are still pending in Congress, to uh, give the federal government control over state election law. So that was their workaround. Whatever they thought the state might eventually pass here in Texas, they wanted the federal government to simply uh, overtake that and, and tell Texas what we could and could not do. That didn't happen, though. Governor Greg Abbott called a second special session, And after 37 days, enough Democrats finally returned to get the process started once again. So when we finally came into the the second special session and the bills were filed yet again, uh, we still had really strong, comprehensive bills uh, in both the House and Senate. Um, Some minor changes uh, and some improvements honestly, uh, from the from the back and forth uh, that went on, at least on the Senate side, not so much on the House because the Democrats weren't around to have any back and forth. Uh, so we ended up with really good bills. And um, the, the Democrats leaving didn't, uh, I mean, they delayed, but they didn't uh, block any of these measures being uh, enacted. And again, they're, they're solid, um, uh, pretty common sense uh, reforms that were uh, have been uh, on, on uh, election integrity advocates' minds for uh, multiple sessions. About the one thing I will say that was that was different and came from 2020 was a couple of um, made-up rules that really didn't exist before 2020. Um, mostly coming out of Harris County. So the Harris County Democrat who was put in charge of the uh, uh, 2020 elections kind of invented some some creative new election processes uh, in response to COVID. So uh, in order to sort of work around some of these COVID things, they invented a couple of things called uh, drive-through voting and then 24-hour voting. So these had never happened before. They were sort of a, again, a a made-up thing. But the Democrats were really hoping they would become permanent. Uh, the Republicans were not thrilled with them, so they simply included clarifications in their bills that these were not things they wanted to have become permanent going forward. And that was one of the biggest complaints that the Democrats had uh, about the bills, is that they weren't going to get to have their made-up procedures become permanent. After months of delay, the election integrity bill was finally signed into law. Now the battle is moving from the Capitol to the courts. Uh, legislatively, we've 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 come a pretty long way. I think there's still a couple of minor things that people might want. Most most uh, notably would be the ability to uh, 
to audit the elections in, in some fashion after the fact to, uh, to make sure things were run properly. Uh, but what we're going to face now, of course, is the lawsuits. So the Democrats plan from day one to, to sue and try to stop these bills in the courts. And that's, that has happened since the governor signed the bill, even before then. Uh, so for all the talk um, of the Democrats here in Texas and nationwide and in D.C., uh, they knew this wasn't going to stop this bill uh, from from uh, from passing, but they're hoping that they can then try to block it in the courts. Aaron credits the movement on the issue this session to the work of grassroots activists. So all throughout this process, during the regular session, during the special sessions, this has been uh, a, a, an issue that has moved like like many others uh, because of the involvement of grassroots activists. Um, the election integrity advocates have been uh, very well organized and outspoken, as have some of their opponents. Uh, they have consistently uh, uh, come to the Capitol and spoken out um, to say we want we want these measures, we want these uh, we want these protections. Um, we we set it as a priority well before the session. Um, the Republicans uh, committed to to enacting it, and they were going to stay on it until they got the results that they wanted, and, and that's what's happened. Thank you for listening to The Autopsy Files by Texas Scorecard. You can find more great stories and journalism at texasscorecard.com. If you like this production, leave a like and review on whatever podcasting platform you listen to.